these traditional sort of like uh, relationship sort of mechanisms that make them work better. But the truth of the matter is they work better. You yeah. know, I'm in a great relationship. Look, I mean, I'm a little bit older. I'm a seasoned gentleman. You know, I've, I've been married, divorced. I've had lots of long-term relationships, dated, all that good stuff. Um, I wish I could have figured this out in my 20s. Like life would have yeah. been a lot better. I wouldn't have made some stupid mistakes for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to the What Is Money Show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, if this is your first time listening to the What Is Money Show, I strongly recommend that you go back to episodes one through nine first, which lays a lot of the groundwork for many of the concepts that we explore on the show. These first nine episodes are my series with Michael Saylor and thousands of people have told me that this is the best podcast series they've ever heard hands down, and that it was instrumental to their understanding of money and Bitcoin. So if you're looking to start uh, a deep dive into the nature of money, I don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. The What Is Money show is 100% sponsor based. So all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships. And I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values which are well aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do now is a few ad reads right at the top of the show, and then I'll do a few more ad reads in the middle. And I hope you'll take the time to listen to them, as again, these are hand-selected sponsors, and I think you'll like what they have to offer. Today's podcast is brought to you by In Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator dedicated exclusively to the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Four times per year, Wolf brings teams from around the world to New York City to work with like-minded entrepreneurs, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with Bitcoin and Lightning. The program is designed to help early-stage companies achieve product market fit, develop their brand, secure early-stage funding, and grow businesses that help fuel the global adoption of Bitcoin. So go to wolfnyc.com to learn more about the program or apply. Again, that's WolfNYC, W-O-L-F-N-Y-C.com. Rich Cooper, welcome to the What Is Money Show. Thanks for having me, Robert. It's great to have you here. Uh, we were introduced by our mutual friend, George Gammon, um, and he recommended that you would be a great guest to have on the show. So I'm super excited to have you here. Um, as I was telling you offline, my audience is mostly young men. And I think the topics we're going to go in today are, are super relevant for them. Um, so just by way of quick introduction, you are an author and a podcaster. And your book is titled Unplugged Alpha, The No Bullshit Guide to Winning with Women and Life. I hope I got that subtitle correct. That's correct. Yeah, you can find uh, it on Amazon. And it's available on Amazon. Um, maybe we could... Just as like a, a quick intro here to introduce you and uh, kind of building up your life to the point of authoring this book, who are you, Rich Cooper? Where do you come from? Um, and how did you become an author of a topic such as this? 
Yeah, good question. So I was an entrepreneur uh, for good 20 plus years here in Toronto. Uh, you know, still am to a degree because I, I create on YouTube now and run a podcast. I'm an author and all that good stuff. But I got started um, in the credit and collection business in my 20s. Uh, took a package, went home around the age of 30. And uh, I set up a debt negotiation business, which uh, grew very fast, got a lot of rewards for uh, company culture, for hyper growth. Um, we saved Canadian customers, I think it was well over three or four hundred uh, million dollars before I got out of the company and transitioned it over to my brother. Um, loved it to bits, but got tired of it as many entrepreneurs do after a while and decided to uh, try something new. I got onto YouTube and the uh, main channel that I created at that time was called Entrepreneurs in Cars. And the plan was really just to do what, uh, the, you know, the two things that I love the most, which was uh, hanging out with entrepreneurs and having conversations and uh, dealing with fast cars. So I kind of wanted to mash up uh, Top Gear with uh, TED Talks and uh, ran out of friends with cool cars pretty fast and um, started to do other videos because people at that point were making recommendations. You should talk about this. You should talk about that because they would rely on me for my uh, advice and talking points. And, you know, like up until that point, I was really talking about why you should use lawyers in your business a certain way, why I would hire using parties, uh, you know, things like that. And, um, a guy one day in the comments said, you should talk about the kind of women to not date. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. That's a conversation I've never had on YouTube before, but let's, let's give it a stab. And most of my videos at that time, cause the channel was small, was doing a thousand, 2000 views. And I did that one and it got a hundred thousand views and the same period of time that normal video would get a thousand or two. So, um, people started getting interested in those topics. I was kind of dealing with my own wounds at that time. It's that, it's that notion of making your wounds, your work, which mm -hmm. I did. Um, I had, uh, been divorced by that time, roughly for about four or five years was dating, uh, a gal who, uh, essentially betrayed me, a uh, single mom. Um, you know, it's why in my book, I've got a chapter dedicated to why guys should be very careful with dating single moms and, um, started pumping out a lot of content. People liked it, did some speaking gigs, kind of summarized a lot of the, um, consults and, uh, private work that I did because people would start booking me for uh, private coaching. I deal with a lot of high net worth individuals when they're untying the knot, getting divorced, uh, planning, uh, you know, to marry a woman if they want to invite them into their life and betting them properly, you know, stuff like that. And I basically summarize everything in the YouTube channel, my experience coaching guys in that book. So, um, you know, it's kind of a collective of all those stories and now it's on Amazon. It's a bestseller. It's doing quite well. Super cool. Um, I've never heard that make your wounds, your work, but. Uh, we often say on the show, pain is information. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. We learn from pain and then you can share those lessons with others in a, in a commercial relationship. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned offline. One of the, I think this is one of the most popular chapters in your book, idled something to the effect, 20 red flags you should know before inviting a woman into your life. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, these are the most common things that I saw pop up over the years that I was doing private consults, mentoring guys, uh, dealing with either untying the knot or generally inviting a woman into her life as a fiance, a future wife sort of stuff, you know, mother of their kids. Um, and I, I put it out there. I mean, it's a free chapter in my book. You guys can get it just by opting into my email list to my uh, channel, but it's, it's 20 really important red flags that you got to pay attention to. Um, if you want an easy, fun, and lucrative kind of like life with a woman, uh, which most guys do, but um, it's not to say that you can't deal with these women on a long-term basis. You can. In fact, most guys, I would argue the vast majority of men do deal with these women on a long-term basis. 
but their lives are brutal. They're complicated. They're often sexless. Sometimes it's constant conflict. Um, and it's a lot of the precursors that I believe lead to untying of the knot and getting divorced is inviting crazy into your life. A lot of guys think that crazy looks like love and you should never confuse the two because they're very different, but they can seem quite similar. Okay. Well, so I'm, I'm really interested in this as a guy that's recently single. Um, what are, and I guess I've probably mistaken crazy for love in the past too. Um, what can you walk me through some of these red flags or sure. just specifically providing some type of tactics or way to check myself as I'm kind of easing back into the dating scene, which I've been out of for a few years and it seems like it's weirder than ever. So yeah. any advice would be much appreciated. Yeah, let's do this. So, so there's 20 of them. So rather than uh, make the entire podcast about this, why don't I name off five at a time? You pick one out of the five and then I'll dive deep on the rabbit hole on that one. And then we'll go to the next five. How does that okay, work? Perfect. Let's do that. Okay. So, uh, the first five is, uh, having daddy issues, being a feminist, being unhappy and un unlucky. She competes with you. And the fifth one is keeping men from her past around. Um, let's go with unhappy and unlucky. Right. So, um, people that are unhappy and unlucky and you've, if you've read the 48 laws of power, I think it's law number 10 for Robert Greene. And I think it's incredibly important and often overlooked for guys, especially when it comes to dealing with women. Um, a lot of women that have a victim mindset, a, oh, poor me, uh, a couple of decades ago, this acronym popped up and became real popular FML, which stands for F my life. Um, and a lot of women will, you know, purport or hold out publicly that, that they're victims of, of things. My boss is this, my, my call Becky and HR did this, that, and the other thing. Uh, I'm, you know, their car's never working. It's got bumps and scratches and dings in it all over the place. And it's always somebody else's fault. The thing with women that, that are always unhappy, unlucky and inviting chaos in their life, it's generally because they hold a terrible belief system mm -hmm. that is used to make choices that generate awful results. And, you know, you, you always become the average of the people that you spend the most time with. And if you're going to deal with a woman on a long-term basis that is unhappy and unlucky and, and makes bad choices and has bad results, she's basically going to make her problems your problems. Mm. One of the other issues with that too, which kind of leads into uh, the victim mindset is if a woman is uh, always the victim of, of something, oh, the, oh, the leader of my country, the government, my you know, my boss, he's a whatever, um, then being a victim requires that you have an oppressor. And usually the oppressor is generally men for these women, because these gals tend to lean more into the feminist mindset. And when she doesn't have a high opinion or strong regard for strong masculine men, usually you're going to have a lot of conflict with that person. So it's always a good idea to, um, if you're going to date women on a long-term basis, deal with women that are happy, you know, they're pleasant, they're, you know, the, they find luck. They look at a glass as half full, not not half empty. Again, you can date a woman like this, you can marry her, but you're probably going to find that your life won't be as pleasant as it will if you're dealing with a more chipper, happy type of gal. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, I've also noticed having dated someone that has a bit of that victim mentality, uh, this phrase must be nice. Like it seemed like no matter what I was doing, like you're going on a work trip or whatever, like usually a work trip, like something to do for work. Uh, and she would try to like make it 
try to twist it such that I was doing something that she should be able to do, or I, I don't know. I was like trying to give me guilt about going on a work trip, and that was yeah, the, yeah. That's like an energy vampire. Like it's emotionally draining to have to deal with that. I mean, I get that sometimes when I'm at the gas station and I'm filling up my McLaren, and there's some random person walking by that's like, "Nice car, must be nice." It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I did the work. It is nice, you know. Maybe you yeah. should try it sometime. <laughs> awesome. Okay, what are the next five? All right, um, so let's do uh, number six, which is poor with money, uh, violent, uh, extreme jealousy, party girls, tattoos, and piercings. Um, Let's go with party girls. Party girls. All right, so party girls are fun, aren't they? Uh, Usually women in their 20s, usually up to about 26, 27, 28, before they hit that epiphany phase where they're getting close to 30. Some of their girlfriends, siblings are probably getting married and they're starting to think about settling down and getting right in life and, you know, not running around and taking vacations and sleeping with a bunch of different guys. That's, that's your party girl. And by the way, they're not always necessarily in their twenties. I mean, you could have a gal that got married at 20, had her 2.1 kids and, uh, you know, 13, 14 years later in her thirties, she's, she's done with the marriage. She's bored, you know, whatever it happens to be. And she wants to untie the knot and gets out. Uh, there's a lot of single mommies out there in their thirties, which miss their opportunity to party in their twenties. And they want to sort of relive that wow. era for themselves. And, um, you know, they're kind of these, these pathetic older, you know, party gals. Um, the thing with party women is they don't take you seriously in a relationship. They're the kind of women that will try to shame you or, or judge you for trying to set boundaries to maintain the health of the relationship. For example, um, you know, you're dating a girl, you find out she's a party girl and, uh, you know, she's interested in something long-term with you, but she goes out every weekend, uh, several times a weekend, late at night, drinking, coming home, tripping, you know, over herself. Maybe there's vomit, you know, like on her clothes. Uh, these kind of women are not, you know, girlfriend type of material. They're certainly not mother type of material. Um, you don't want to deal with a woman that spends her time consuming copious amounts of alcohol in her room of a bunch of other people doing the exact same thing probably sharing her body with multiple men often simultaneously without any regard for her health or your future health and safety or any of those things um like party girls are fun to hang out with and you know if you're in your party years too fine enjoy it but if she comes to you and says robert i want to claim you i dig your vibe i don't want to share you can we be something you know together then one of the things that you should take a look at in her life is if she's a party girl, put your foot down and say, well, you know, I dig your vibe too, but I can't take a woman seriously that goes out every weekend getting drunk, partying and marketing herself to other people. Cause let's be honest. Um, when a woman goes out partying, she's spending hours doing her makeup, her hair, putting on the right outfit, trying different outfits, the shoes, the bras, all that sort of stuff. And she's going out essentially marketing herself to the world. And, uh, you know, she's doing that on a regular basis. You're, you know, it's the equivalent of parking a nice car in a crappy neighborhood and just hoping nothing goes wrong. <laughs> At some point things will go wrong. Right? right. And if you're the leader in that relationship, if you're the man, which I assume you are, you know, mostly watching this channel, it's your responsibility to set good boundaries around that relationship to make sure that you protect it so that she doesn't get in any kind of trouble. Ah. No, that's well said. I like that analogy too. What, um, where do you draw the line to circumscribe a party girl? Is it the going out every weekend that makes her a party girl or is it? I would look, you know, for, for different guys, they're going to have a different answer as far as what their tolerance level. For me, 
if I was uh, dating right now, I'm not. I've got a girlfriend, but if I was dating right now and uh, she was the kind of girl that, that that liked to go out, um, my rule of thumb is I don't um, I don't recruit a girlfriend. Um, I want to choose women that choose me. So um, I would just date multiple women simultaneously in a non-monogamous fashion, which is uh, generally considered spinning plates. Um, wait for her to come to me and say, "I dig your vibe." don't want to share you, um, you know, like where do we stand sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then that's where, you know, when you can put your foot down, because now you're in a position where you can say, well, you know, I like you too. And you kind of evaluate her life, but this is a red flag. I don't deal with women on a long-term basis that go out partying, drinking, you know, smoking, doing drugs, going to raves, whatever it happens to be. Same thing with um, running off for weekends. Like if she's one of these girls, it's like, well, I'm doing a girl's night in New York and I'm doing a weekend away in Vegas and I'm doing this thing in Ibiza or, or Miami. It's like, uh, no, um, you can't, you can't be in a long-term relationship and rely on a woman, uh, to pair bond to you in a, in a healthy way. If she's running around with a girlfriend, still partying in other towns, there's a whole, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Okay. Well, if that's her character, then let her be, you know, you can keep her at arm's length. You can date her if you want, but I wouldn't take her seriously. Yeah. That's sounds like just a lot of rough neighbor neighborhoods to be leaving the nice car in. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, move okay. on to the next five? Yes, please. All right. So uh, let's do promiscuous women, uh, which is big notch counts, uh, single moms, uh, women that seek validation online, uh, prior sugar babies or current sugar babies, and uh, pathological liars. Ooh, well, I guess seeking validation online has to be the one. Yeah. So, you know, men and women use... Um, social media and mobile devices very differently, don't we? Like when you see a guy with his phone taking a photograph, it's usually he's taking a photograph of a car, a landscape, the Grand Canyon, a building, somewhere he's traveling at. When women use phones, it's a lot of the times it's a lot of selfie, you know, maneuvers. So the way that women use social media is generally to get validation. And, you, you know, you just have to have a nice uh, physique, uh, know how to put on your makeup and take the right angle with the right lighting. And you too can have tens of thousands of thirsty beta males uh, placating your desires and wants for attention. Hey, beauty, you're beautiful today. I love you so much. You know, um, you can go to any reasonably attractive woman's so- social media on Instagram, for example, and you'll see it there: hearts, flashy eyes, burn flames. You know, all that sort of stuff. And these guys are all sliding into their DMs. And f- for the most part, these guys are generally speaking thirsty beta males that she's not that interested in. But the problem is, is that she is hosting these provocative photographs. Oftentimes they're sexy with uh, a lot of skin exposed. Um, not for the attention of, you know, here's an archive of my life in, in photographs, but more so for the validation, which is why the women will go back and they'll look and see how many likes were on the post, the comments and things like that. Now, you can date a gal like that, um, but again, you know, when it comes to the talk, and she says, again, Robert, dig your vibe, where do we stand, I want to claim you sort of thing, that's when you take a good look at her life and potential red flags, and a woman that's online seeking validation from the world, you have to put your foot down. It's like, you know, I like you too, but I can't take a woman seriously that's constantly posting provocative photographs on Instagram. Um, I'm not going to be able to introduce you to my family, um, I certainly don't want to look at anything long-term with somebody like that. So if you're serious about me, uh, make your Instagram private and stop posting that and maybe just, you know, deal with family photographs or just cancel your Instagram. Like, what do you need it for? Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times, you know, women use it as a dating app 
And you'd be surprised. You know, a lot of people right now are going, oh, well, that's controlling or you're insecure, Rich. No, it's not at all. You'll actually be surprised. Women will happily take themselves off the market, delete or even hide their Instagram if they see you as a high enough value guy because they like you that much. Mm -hmm. They will enter your frame and they will want to be a compliment to your life. And they will not want to expose a relationship to any kind of risks by posting sexy bikini pictures of themselves for the world to admire. Uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, I feel like especially younger girls, maybe even younger generation in general might push back and say, mm -hmm. that's just normalized now. Like, uh, you know, a, almost all young women post these provocative photos and whatnot, but maybe that's because they're in a party girl phase. Yeah. Like, is there, um, when you say it's a red flag, it's like if a woman's posting many provocative selfies online, like that would be the red flag or is, is I, I guess I'm trying to ask, is there a bright line here? Because it seems like well, a lot of people post selfies online. Guys too actually do this a lot now. It's become- Yeah, some guys do. Mm -hmm. It was very yeah, weird well, 10 years ago, but now it seems like it's more normal. Yeah, it's a lot more normalized. It's, you know, it's weird because I sometimes see people walking around making videos for like Instagram stories, you know, for example, just talking right. to the phone in a public place with everybody around them as if nobody's there. Uh -huh. um, whereas 10, 15 years ago, that would just be weird. People would be super uncomfortable with that, but it's, but it's very normal now. Um, yeah. So it, it, it has been normalized by culture and society, but just because it's been normalized by culture and society doesn't mean that it's right. Doesn't mean that it contributes to a healthy long-term relationship. Um, again, you are the man, you know, if you're watching this, you know, for the most part, um, it is incumbent upon you to lead the relationship. Women want to be led right. and if you're going to lead a relationship, you need to protect the relationship. You need to protect her. You need to protect the relationship from exposing it to any kind of problems like other dudes sliding into your, her DMs, right? Um, do you want her posting that sexy provocative photograph from the day club by the pool and some rapper or athlete slides into her DM going, hey girl, how you doing? Because now she's going to be thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, guys will be like, oh, well, you're insecure or if, you, or if she really loves you, blah, blah, blah. It's not about that. Again, you know, I can go back to the notion of you have a nice car. Are you going to park it in a crap neighborhood and expose it to potential risk? Or are you going to keep it in your garage? Mm -hmm. right? um, and some and someone will, will push back and they'll say, I'm not going to do that for you or uh, or you're too controlling. That's fine. Um, that girl's made for the streets. You know, let her do what she's going to do. Some other guy will pick her up and, you know, she will become his problem. But if you want, again, a wonderful, pleasant, happy, and loving type of relationship, it's a better idea not to invite a woman into your life that posts provocative photographs online looking for validation. Same thing with OnlyFans, you know. Um, it's it's funny to me how that is now almost normalized, how so many mm -hmm. girls seem to think, oh, it's okay for me to sell pictures of my butthole online to random thirsty betas um, <laughs> because it's a way to earn a living prostitution you know you can call it whatever you want it's it's not a good thing and it's certainly not healthy for a relationship no guy wants his girlfriend you know showing her private parts to the world for 5.99 a month right yeah no definitely not what about um on the topic of external validation women that get a lot of work done like plastic surgery and other enhancements yeah that in any way a contributing factor to this red flag of, of seeking external validation? Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, within reason, you know, wearing a little bit of makeup, fine. Um, you know, dyeing their hair, uh, fine. But when it comes to 
Um, you know, these, these three inch nails where they can't even type on a screen or eyelashes that are so long, a bird can land on it. Um, you know, uh, like it starts to push into weird areas. Um, as far as the aesthetics of like breast augmentation, um, I realize some people are against them, but, um, if you see in a nice set done properly, it can certainly enhance the beauty of a woman as long as she's not flashing them everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, she's done it because gravity's, you know, kicked in, uh, mm -hmm. you know, maybe she's had kids or something, you know, she's your wife, she's had kids. Um, but the excessiveness of it, like when it pushes into, she walks into a room and her boobs enter the room like three seconds before the rest of her does, uh -huh. uh, they're probably a little bit too big, right? Like let's, let's try to be reasonable here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, the Gold Investment Letter. The Gold Investment Letter helps sophisticated investors navigate capital markets and maximize their profits in trading gold, silver, and mining stocks. The Gold Investment Letter seeks out the most undervalued companies and identifies special situations in the mining sector and then provides in-depth analysis on both their financial positions and future prospects. The Gold Investment Letter explores many complex domains, such as investor psychology, portfolio management, and macroeconomic trends, all with the goal of making you a better investor. The Gold Investment Letter offers a free version and a paid premium version, and I strongly recommend you at least sign up for the free version, because after having read a few of these issues, I can promise you it is a treasure trove of good information. You can sign up for the free newsletter today at goldinvestmentletter.com. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technology. iCoin has just released a sleek new hardware wallet. It looks like a mini iPhone, a little touchscreen and camera on it. Uh, the device has no Wi-Fi, no cellular connection, no GPS. It's a strictly physically cold hardware wallet. Uh, like I said, it's got a high-res 3-inch touchscreen. It's got a camera for air gapping the wallet. Uh, it's got optional Bluetooth compatibility. And it's a really a, a brand new UI, UX experience for a hardware wallet, making it very accessible, easy to use, not intimidating. And as we always talk about on this show, the only way you can truly own your Bitcoin is by having it in self-custody. So you need a device like iCoin Wallet to truly own your Bitcoin. Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code BITCOIN23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a Bitcoin-enabled alternative to legacy health insurance. Now let's face it, legacy health insurance is an absolute scam. Nobody can explain this better than the legendary comedian, Chris Rock. Insurance, you got to have some insurance. You got to, there's an insurance. They shouldn't even call it insurance. They should just call it in case shit. <laughs> And I give a company some money in case shit happens. Now, if shit don't happen, shouldn't I get my money back? <laughs> so with CrowdHealth, instead of just paying premiums that you'll never see again, you can hold part of this pool of savings in dollars and in Bitcoin through CrowdHealth. And when you have a health event, you can draw against this pool of communal savings. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove to learn more or sign up. Um, and I, I guess this is because one of the things we're saying here is 20 red flags before inviting a woman into your life, meaning that before you engage in a long-term monogamous relationship with one of these women, right? So it's part of 
it's it's a vetting process in a way, right? Like if a girl saying, I had to your bottom, I want to spend time with you. You're saying me too, but here are the kind of the stipulations or conditions for me yeah. to take you seriously. Exactly. You know, before we go any further here, then let's just have a conversation about these potential issues that I've seen pop up. Yeah. Because you won't have any bargaining power after you've said I do and you've got your 2.1 kids to change her uh, posting sexy, sexy provocative pictures online. She's going to tell you to get lost, pound sand. She's been doing it this long and she has the full power of family law behind her. So why would she change anything? Right. It's like at the point of where do we stand? That's where you're in a position to say, well, I see us standing here right now and I like you, but, and you know, you deal with any red flags that exist because they almost always exist with all women, you know, yeah. guys are always like, well, ju well, just 20, like, why not 40? Like, oh, you know, you could keep going if you want, but these are the main ones that you definitely want to pay attention to. Gotcha. Okay. And then the last five. Okay. So, uh, baby rabies, a woman, uh, that has baby rabies, uh, which essentially means that she is, uh, very enthusiastic about having children right away, usually because they're close to their reproductive, you know, the end of the reproductive mm -hmm. cycles. Women that throw hissy fits, uh, you not being in control of birth, uh, drama queens, addictive personalities. Um, and I've actually got a 21st one, which I have to add to the revised version of the book, which is she won't comply. Um, um, okay. What was the 20th one? Sorry. Addictive, addictive personalities. Let's go. Um, well, this is hard. Um, Let's go with baby rabies. So baby rabies, um, you generally don't find this in younger women. Um, it's usually when women start to get older, the biological click, bi biological clock starts ticking so loud, it's almost a shout for them, which usually starts to happen around their late 20s by the time they hit 30. That's a big line in the sand for women because as much as society and culture likes to tell women you go, you go girl, uh, chase your degrees, uh, climb the corporate ladder, delay having children, freeze your eggs. Even, um, they know inherently that their timeline is limited when it comes to having kids. It's not like men, like we've seen, um, who's that actor, Al Pacino, uh, recently, you know, announced in the news that he's expecting, I don't know, his fourth or fifth child. He's in his eighties now. Yeah. Um, you know, men don't have the same timeline that women do. I mean, some women can have kids in their forties. Uh, but it's not generally a good idea for the mom or the child. And there's a higher probability of, uh, you know, disorders, you know, the kids ending up on the spectrum, stuff like that. Uh, co complicated pregnancies escalate the older women get. So women start to become aware of this at some point, whether it's at 29 or 39, and they'll start pushing guys to, uh, commit and commit in the sense where they have a kid together. That doesn't always mean marriage. It doesn't always mean living together. Sometimes it just means that they're a sperm donor in some cases. Uh -huh. um, but a woman with baby rabies doesn't, she doesn't want you. She wants your seed and she wants what you can, what you can provide. What they generally do at that point is they look at a guy and they're like, okay, he's good enough. He's got decent enough genes. He's tall enough. His jawline, you know, satisfies me sort of thing, whatever her hind lizard brain is sort of figuring out. And then they also look at, does he have the ability to provide, you know, can he, can he help me raise this child and protect it? Um, and it's not uncommon. Like I've seen this loads and loads of times. I deal with loads of guys privately where only, only three months in she'll, you know, she'll start pushing him to commit for marriage, for a ring, to move in together, to start planning the wedding. And, uh, it's never a good plan. Never, ever a good plan because 
uh, one, it's very, very early on and you don't really know what she's made of. And two, women have the ability to act for a good year and a half to almost two years. So I used to work with a clinical psychologist and one of his um, points was before you get married to a woman, before you invite her into your life, uh, spend a good year and a half with her and see what she's made of, see how she responds to stress. What does she do when you travel and the luggage gets lost? Does she have a complete meltdown and a hissy fit? Or does she say to you, Robert, let's just go to the local store and grab some new bathing suits and, you know, outfits for, you know, the next few days. Um, so you, so you definitely want to be attentive and give yourself time to size her up. I mean, look, if she's 38 and she's saying to you, uh, you know, we have to have kids now because my timeline's running out. Well, that's her problem. And you shouldn't let a woman make her problems your problems. Like, why do you need to rush into anything? I mean, if you want to have kids, why are you dating a 38-year-old anyway? I mean, if you want to have a family, you should date a woman that's younger, that has the ability to, you know, give you a, a family or a large family if that's what you're looking for. So, uh, again, you know, you want to be more discerning in your taste. Makes sense, too. But if you, so it takes, you know, a year to two years to kind of sort these women out and let them... Guess let the act fade or fall away so you can see their true colors. Um, doesn't I mean that obviously gets more difficult as you get older, right? If you're in your if you're a guy in your late 30s or 40s and you're dating mm-hmm. and you're trying to date seriously, you know, if you have a few misses, all of a sudden, what six, eight years went by? Like, is is there another way to try to cut to the chase a little more quickly to discern whether someone's right for you, or do you need to kind of do this full-fledged year and a half-ish? So, so from the guy's perspective, yeah. Okay. So, so from the male strategy, how old are you, Robert? I'm 37. Yeah. Perfect age. So that's a great example because men and women peak at different times, right? Like a woman's peak on the sexual marketplace is in the early twenties, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've done studies on this where they'll survey men cross-culturally around the world from the ages of like 20 up to 70. And they'll ask them, you know, by lining up pictures of women, like, you know, pick the most attractive woman in that lineup. And they collectively around the world, cross-culturally, almost always pick 21, 22, uh-huh. right? So that's when women peak for men. Um, men, on the other hand, they generally peak later on in life. You know, like we, we come into our own, usually in our late 30s, sometimes early 40s, you can push it off if you've got good genetics and you take real good care of yourself. So a guy like you is at a sexual market value peak. Um, so you could, you know, at 37, you know, if you wanted to, you're probably spoiled for choice. Um, successful, good looking guy, tall, you know, in good shape. You, you basically can, can pick from, you know, whatever you want. Um, so my recommendation would be just, just date, um, date simultaneously, bunch of women, non-monogamously, and just wait and see what they're made of. And, if you want to have kids, if you want to raise a family, if that's what your plan is, choose the woman that chooses you. And it doesn't have to be the woman. I know lots of guys that have uh, children with multiple women too. It doesn't have to be monogamous. It doesn't have to be the conventional sort of way, but, um, you know, choose a woman or, or choose women that have, that have chosen you and date them to see what they're made of, you know, vet them up against the red flags. Um, don't, don't go all in and take them completely seriously after, you know, five or six weeks. The big mistake that most guys make is that they don't have a lot of options. Uh, they haven't put a priority on themselves. They haven't, um, done the work on themselves, put a dent in the universe. They're not doing anything of much significance. They're not influential. They don't have a lot of status. They may not be particularly rich, so they don't have a lot of options. So the first girl that touches their pee pee after four or five weeks, they're like, oh, okay, you know, let's, let's become something exclusive. Right. And these are the guys that, 
usually end up getting destroyed through the divorce machine, um, being alienated from their kids and in a pretty bad predicament several years down the road. Wow. So scary. So be like, you got lots of time. Like you could do this in your forties. You could do it in your fifties. You could probably do it like Al Pacino did in his eighties. You know, if you really wanted to and put it off that late, I wouldn't recommend it because you're not going to be around for very long to see those kids grow up. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I have one daughter, um, obviously not still together, um, with her mom, but having one, I would like to have a lot more. So I'm trying to be more intentional or thoughtful with dating this time around. Whereas in the past, when I was dating in my twenties, it seems like it was just, I don't know, like whoever was there, opportunistic friends of friends, you know, dating. Yeah. It's interesting because, but yeah, because men, especially younger men or, or men without options where they haven't figured out stuff yet, they tend to prioritize access. And all that means is, um, they'll put the most emphasis on whoever's most, most responsive to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so average girls, crazy girls, you know, like I said earlier, a lot of the times men confuse crazy for love mm-hmm. and that's how they get wound up in these nut bar type of long-term relationships or even marriage. Um, so it's really, really important to be discerning because I mean, a good woman can improve your life, uh, but a bad woman can really make it quite miserable. Mm. Yeah. Are there certain things that, I mean, I imagine all these red flags are one of those things, but when you're trying to vet out the woman over that first year and a half ish period, are there things, I guess you could just establish certain conditions or boundaries for yourself that if those things are crossed, you immediately cut them to try to accelerate the process a little bit. Because the one thing you, you mentioned dating multiple people non-monogamously yeah. it used to be kind of my strategy is like I date three girls at a time, keep them in arms just, and that seemed mm-hmm. to keep everything peaceful. But I was ever never able to maintain that. I would always kind of end up getting into one of them and then dumping the other two. Yeah. So um, I don't know if there's a strategy maybe to figure out more quickly if someone's not right for you rather than waiting that full one and a half to two year period. Yeah, I think um, there's some obvious signs where you're really going to like destroy your life pretty badly if you get involved with a gal. So um, a woman that's violent, you know, for example, be a you know, a good example. That's one of the red flags. So, um, I've dealt with guys that have gotten married to women or lived with women, uh, you know, just because they love bomb. A lot of times they're pretty crazy too, you know, so it's, you know, it's, a, so it's a whole confusing crazy for, for love. Um, you know, they'll throw things at them. They've thrown knives at them. They've been stabbed with forks. Um, if a woman demonstrates that she's violent to any degree to you, you should get rid of her quickly. Like it's, it's not even an option to, to date her. It's it, like, even even becoming friends with benefits or any of these like short term like arm's length sort of relationships is a bad idea because if she doesn't get her way and she throws one of her hissy fits and becomes violent, uh, you know the cops show up. It's it's probably not her that's going to be hauled away in cuffs in the right. back of the cruiser and spend the night in the slammer. It's probably going to be you. Um, and there's men that I know that have lost their opportunity to graduate as a licensed medical professional because of because they invited a violent woman into their life in a relationship. Um, and they were suspended from school and were unable to complete because of the charges or, uh, you know, guys that were, um, educational, um, you know, professionals and they got uh, thrown out of the school system because of a false domestic violence charge. I mean, if you're around children all day and a woman claims that you're, uh, violent, you know, uh, unjustly, you know, makes it up, then you've lost your job. Right. So there's lots of areas where a bright red flag should definitely not be ignored. I think most of these you should pay attention to and 
you should only overlook if she's working on them. You know, for example, um, let's use, uh, you know, a woman that's got like an addictive, you know, personality. Um, I've dated a woman at one point who loved going shopping for things and would bring them home and to try them out and, you know, return them. It wasn't uncommon for her to be like, oh, I just bought these seven lamps to test them out by the nightstand and I want to see which one looks best and I'm going to bring six of them back. And it's like, okay, you've got a shopping addiction. Like this is a little bit of a problem if you're spending your entire week spare time out of work in the return line at customer service to bring shit back mm-hmm. that you didn't like because it didn't fit with your decor. Um, you know, uh, if she's a good gal and she doesn't have any of the, of the red flags, then I would, you know, point it out and not consider making her the mother of your kids or even living with her until she dealt with that problem. I don't know if that's her going to counseling or getting help or it could be a drug addiction. It could be a smoking addiction. It could be an alcohol addiction. Like any kind of addiction, some of them are worse than others, obviously. Um, but again, like if you want the best life possible, find a gal that doesn't have any of these red flags or it's something uh, simple, like extreme jealousy is one of the red flags on the list. A certain amount of jealousy is good. Like you want her to have some competition anxiety to feel somewhat anxious that you're out there in the world doing things. Where is he? What, what could he possibly be doing? Who is that random girl 17 feet away from him in the background? That's when that starts pushing into like weird areas where it's like, you know, who is that girl in that photograph, Robert, that was 17 feet away from you, giving you like the cut eye in that photograph that you posted the other day or that I saw on that media piece. That's when it starts to get weird into the stranger. And that's when you, you know, you, like that's something that she has to deal with, right? Yeah. Her, her being a, a little bit jealous or anxious about you traveling is fine. But yeah. if it's her constantly blowing up your phone, checking in on you, randomly calling you, yeah. then it becomes problematic and it becomes difficult for you. Oh, uh, yeah, that totally makes sense. I wish we'd had this conversation years ago. I once dated a girl that we had just started dating and she would look at old, like multiple years old Instagram posts of mine. So like we had just met for a couple of months. She's looking at posts that I put up two, three years ago. She would see what girls liked the post and then she would like be researching these girls and then asking yeah. me about them. I'm like, what in the world? Yeah. All day. Like I just got home from work and you've been sitting here running a private investigative firm on Instagram. Very weird stuff. Yeah. The female mind is interesting. It, it, it operates very, very differently and it, and it takes a lot of past, uh, involvements with other women into, into consideration. And like a healthy woman would see that other women have, have engaged with you and do have desire for you and just think to herself, okay, this guy's a top shelf man, you know, mm-hmm. pre-selection, obviously other women dig his vibe. I'm, I'm very happy to have him in my life, but it starts to lean into crazy when they start doing things like that. And then following these random girls, maybe even DMing them and, and Hey, you know, you look familiar. Did we go to university together? Just to sort of, you know, spark up a conversation and see where it goes. And then the, the, the similar, you know, connection with Robert Breedlove sort of pops up in the con. It, it's, it's not that un, uncommon. Like, you know, when women like you, but there's a little bit of a crazy, you know, to that like when it goes that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, when they're picking fights, like, come on, she's picking a fight with me about something. I'm like, how is this even a topic? That's a drama. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. a drama queen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. You mentioned this topic offline, this uh, notion of genuine burning desire. Mm. Um, what is that? And what? how is that something we should be looking for in our romantic partners? Is this, is this a male to female only or female to male or is it both ways? Um, how does that fit into the picture here? 
Yeah, I think it's more important for male to female, although women should contemplate. I mean, you know, if gals are watching this, that they, they shouldn't be dealing with a guy that doesn't really like them either. Um, but I think for men, it's more important because women, because women's uh, sexual strategy, their dating strategy, if you will, uh, it appears to be their hypergamous nature. And all that means is that women prefer to date across and up on the socioeconomic scale. Right. Um, they don't like to date down. So if you're, I mean, they will date down on a short-term basis. Like it's, it's why a woman will sleep with a guy that's just been out of jail, covered in tattoos, riding a motorcycle who has nothing to his name, uh, or a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. Cause he's, cause he looks like a bad boy. Right. Yeah. So that short-term strategy still exists for them. But for the most part, women, because they're hypermix, they want guys either at their level or preferably better than them. Right. Mm -hmm. So Genuine burning desire is an, is an indicator. It's, uh, you know, if you look at the, uh, uh, barometer, you're going to have an idea of what the weather's like outside. So it's, so it's an indicator. Um, and it's why I, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, referring to only choose women that choose you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not just to choose you, but it's to have genuine desire for you. Meaning mm -hmm. other men will appear invisible to her. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, if she has genuine burning desire for you, if you say something like, you know, when she comes at you and says, where do we stand? I dig your vibe, you know, like the talk again. And you say to her, yeah, you know, that's, that's good, but I can't take a woman seriously that posts provocative pictures online. Okay. No problem. I'll just delete my Instagram. Uh -huh. That's what a woman with genuine burning desire will say to you. She won't argue with you. She won't, she won't call you insecure. She'll absolutely just say, here, let's just delete it right now. I don't need it. It's, you know, it's not important because she sees you as her best option. Mm -hmm. So. When you invite a woman in your life, especially in the West, you've got issues with family law that can complicate your life unnecessarily. You've got all kinds of problems that can, you know, become evident if she doesn't see you as her first choice. There's a stand-up comic. I can't remember if it was Chris Rock or Chris Tuck Tucker, but they said something along the lines of, and stand-up comedy is great because behind every joke, there's some truth, you know, mm -hmm. and it obviously, which is why people laugh. And he said something along the lines of, ladies, the number one reason why you're pissed off today is because you haven't, you're not married to your first choice. You haven't got your first choice sitting beside you. And the room erupts in the laughter because it's for the most part true, right? Like women usually have to settle when it comes to marriage. They don't often get their first choice. They get their second or third choice or something like that. So again, I mean, if you're going to have kids with a woman, why would you do it with a woman that doesn't genuinely have burning desire for you? I'll give you a real example. Um, and I talk about this in my book. Um, I mentioned how women will break rules for alpha males, but make them for beta males. So I'm sitting down on the, you know, this date with this gal We're we're, you know, we're having a sip on the drink. Um, she wasn't my style. Like it was one of these, you know, situations where she ended up being taller and, and heavier than she looked in her photographs. But I'm like, you know, she's pretty and she's funny. So let's have a drink. So we're sitting down there and she proceeds to tell me how, um, she, doesn't get intimate with a guy until at least eight dates. And I thought to myself, okay, well, I'm, I, I'm not interested in her anyway. So I'm just going to say what's on my mind, which is just how I operate. And I just said to her, I go, look, like I don't negotiate desire. I'm not, I don't do the back and forth thing where there's rules here and you have to cross the line here and I have to jump through. Like, that's not how I roll. Like I only deal with genuine intimacy, like a woman that genuinely wants me. And it, and it, and it dawned upon me when she said to me right after that, she was drinking her you know, a drink, she put down her drink and she looked me in her, she looked me in my uh, eyes and her pupils dilated and she got very serious. 
And mind you, I was only sitting at the table with her for about 15 minutes at the time. Like we mm-hmm. just got our drinks. She goes, fine, let's go to the bathroom and fuck right now. And I thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. Right. So that is a woman that is like, she's testing you to see where you are, whether you're an alpha yeah. male or a beta male. When yeah. she realizes where you stand, because you're not going to put up with her bullshit yeah. and you say, you know, no, then she immediately resorts to her most powerful tool, which is her sexuality. Right. And let's go to the bathroom and do it. Right. So that there is genuine burning desire, you know, for yeah. me at that time. I mean, I didn't have it for her. I didn't do it. I, you know, we just wrapped up the date sort of thing, yeah. you know, 40 minutes later after the drink, but that's a good example of what that looks like. That's funny. I, um, I've heard these called shit tests before. Yeah. I, I listened to the audio book, The Game, which is about pickup artistry and all that. Yeah, Neil Strauss's book. Yeah, it's an old one from the 2000s. Yeah, I've never actually engaged in pickup artistry that I know of. I mean, I've just... It's a pretty big waste of time for top shelf men. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but one of the things I did pick up in that book was this, I think I heard it there, the concept of a shit test. Yeah. Where a woman's going to kind of like put put you into a challenge to see how you respond. Exactly. And it's... um. Like I can think of one instance where I was on a date with a girl and we went, like we had been dating. So we'd been on a multiple dates. We'd already slept together at this point and went back to her place. And she said something like, uh, oh, you know, you want to stay over? Like some stipulation about me staying over. I can't even recall mm-hmm. what it was. And I was like, no, no. I was like, fuck that. I was like, I'll just go home. I like, I'm yeah. home and sleep. Like, see you later. Yeah. She just like immediately pivots. It's like, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Like, I didn't mean, you know, so it's all of a sudden the rule doesn't exist now, right? Yeah. It's like you're trying to impose some kind of rule set on you or stipulation or condition, whatever it is. And the moment you're like, no, I'm not doing that shit, then all of a sudden yeah. they, they do a 180. Why? Exactly. Is that? Why? Why is that? What's, what is that? Kind of- it's, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a feature of women. It's not a bug, right? Mm-hmm. I think because evolutionary speaking, I mean, if a woman made a bad mate choice, and let's just remember, like today we live in a time where there's safe and effective birth control, right? Like mm-hmm. women have uh, like an entire litany, like a list of different birth birth control options to choose from. And um, it's it's generally considered safe for them to have sex without getting pregnant now, right? But, you know, tens of thousands and, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, that that wasn't the case. So I believe that women need to test you to see what you're made of. Because if she's about to have sex with you or she's contemplating having sex with you or that's part of the equation that you're dealing with, she needs to make sure that you're going to be around, that you're not going to take advantage of her, she's not going to get hurt, Uh. right? So they will test you, you know, in that regard to, uh, you know, you can call it a competency test, you can call it a shit test, you can call it, you know, whatever you want, but she's basically testing you to see what you're made of. Are they testing to see like if you are comfortable being in control or being independent, something like that? Usually... It's got something to do with leading, you know, like, like she wants to be with a giant. Women want to be with a leader. They want to be with somebody that they can look up to that can lead them. Despite what toxic feminism have told women today where, you know, women need a man like a fish needs a bicycle, like these old narratives and a story. Realistically, you know, their, their, their hindbrain, their DNA, their evolved persona, they want to be with a leader. They want to be with a big shot, right? So- um, that's usually what they're testing you for to see what you're made of, right? So when you said, no, I'm not down with that, it's you know, it's okay, I'll just bounce, then her, you know, demeanor and her position changed very rapidly to, well, no, 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 hold on a second, let's just talk about this, right? Yeah. I had yeah. a um I had a really funny screenshot sent to me the other day from a friend. And um, you know, it was this 
this girl basically texted him and said, Hey, you know, since, uh, um, you know, since we've been dating, I don't really think that, you know, you and I are looking for the same thing. So we should probably just end it like something along that line. Mm -hmm. I probably heard it before. And, you know, his text response was, and he sent a screenshot of this was, that's cool. Uh, you know, I wish all the best luck, you know, have a nice day. And her response to that was, well, hold on a second. Let's just talk about this. Right. <laughs> like, like, like a typical shit test. Like she's basically trying to get him at that point, probably to commit to her or, yeah. or say, well, that's not really, you know, the situation where I really like you a lot more than you think that I do, you know, to get him to sort of like swing over and like beg for her um, yeah. love and affection. He said, and he did the exact opposite. He said, okay, no problem. You know, wish you the best. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was so funny. Uh, it really, it's kind of a, there's just the power dynamic at play there clearly. Yeah. The, yeah. There's an absolute the boundary of, of the power dynamic. Yeah. There's an absolute game to the whole thing. I can't remember who said it. Uh, famous, you know, uh, philosopher, you, you might even know, but he said something along the lines of everything in the world is about, uh, sex, except for sex. Sex is about power. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, um, I, I don't know if I heard this somewhere, what, but, um, I guess one of the discoveries I've made through whatever dating and or reading and, and learning about this whole topic is if you want to win a woman, you have to be willing to lose the woman. So it's like when it, when they push comes to shove and she's like, Oh, I'm out of here. Whatever. It's like, so be it. Like go. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I've been fortunate in that way because I've, I'm all, I'm already kind of like a low attachment style guy out of yeah. the stoicism or whatever. I don't get real clingy onto women. So I'm yeah. kind of naturally have that demeanor. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen that work in my favor multiple times. It's like not even something I'm consciously doing, but. Yeah. Like you're a natural alpha, you know, I can tell by the way that you've sort of like ran your life where you, where you sort of have gotten to the point where it's a good position for you, but you probably don't understand why all the time. Um, the, you know, I've said to guys a lot and women don't like this when I say it, but I'm going to say it again anyway. It's a, like a woman needs to know that she's replaceable. If mm -hmm. she thinks that you're her only source or her only potential source of intimacy, love, and all that stuff, you're basically screwed, right? Yeah. And it, you know, if we're being honest, women want a man that other women want, right? right. So if yeah. she doesn't see other women giving you attention and, um, you know, uh, p like pining for your time or whatever it is you want to call it, she's not going to be as interested in you. Right. Yeah. She wants to see other men want to be you and other women want to be with you. Yeah. Is that true in the reverse though? Because I don't know that I feel, maybe when I was younger, I would care about what my friends thought about a girl I was dating, but now I don't really care that much. Like if a guy no, I don't think, or not. I don't think it's inherent with men because, uh, we actually want our woman to be exclusive to us. Yeah. Like we don't want to share them. Most guys are disgusted if, I mean, if a, most guys that I talk to, if they discover a woman's notch count is high, you know, if they've been with a lot of guys, mm -hmm. uh, they end up in a state of disgust. Whereas, you know, for women, it doesn't really matter to them that much how many women you've been with. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would argue it's probably beneficial for, I mean, I wouldn't overtly state I've slept sure. with all these women, but it's probably beneficial for her to go through your social media. Like you were talking mm -hmm. about, you know, the last girl, see the likes from the other girls from back in the history. Right. And know that other women have uh, either been with you or expressed interest in you. Yeah. Um, it's to your benefit because it's called pre-selection. And again, you know, women want to be with men that other women want to be with. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Wasabi Wallet. 
With Wasabi Wallet, you can receive, send, and store Bitcoin privately. In Wasabi Wallet, your transaction history and wallet balance are completely hidden. Wasabi Wallet is easy to use. All of its privacy features are built in by default, and it works with any amount of Bitcoin. Wasabi users can make CoinJoin transactions together with BTC Pay server users or Trezor Suite users. For BTC Pay server users, they can make payments directly inside of a CoinJoin. And for Trezor Suite users, you can make CoinJoins directly on a hardware wallet. These features result in the fee savings and security improvements for both sets of users. So go to wasabiwallet.io today to download the state-of-the-art Bitcoin privacy wallet. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Casa. Casa makes it simple to buy and secure your Bitcoin without wondering whether you're doing it right. Specifically, Casa provides a multi-key custody solution, which is by far the most secure way to custody your Bitcoin. Now, when I talk about Bitcoin being theft-proof money or inviolable private property, a multi-key custody model is exactly what I am talking about. Using multiple keys lets you maintain full control of your Bitcoin while also giving you redundancy in case you lose one of the keys. It's also the best way to secure your Bitcoin for inheritance planning purposes. So go to keys.casa, that's C-A-S-A, today to sign up and use discount code BREEDLOVE. You said this term a couple of times today. Picking the woman that picks you. Yeah. What does that mean specifically? And what is it? How do you know when a woman has picked you? Is this an explicit, hey, I like your vibe. I want to be with you? Because I haven't had many, I end up in exclusive relationships, but I don't typically have the exclusive relationship conversation. Like it just kind of gets to that point somehow. So I'm wondering if I'm either not picking the woman that picks me or I'm just kind of falling into it. But what, what is the, the, what are the signs, I guess, when a woman has picked you? It should be like taking a frying pan to the forehead. It should be pretty obvious, right? I mean, like a woman that's chosen you, um, she'll take the initiative to do things in your life, you know, to, you know, to improve it. She'll, when you get up in the morning, she'll make the bed for you. Uh, if she sees a pile of laundry around, she'll put it in the machine and start doing it for you. You know, she'll, she'll clean up your house. Uh, Hey, I'm coming over in about an hour and a half, Robert, uh, be naked when I get there. And I'm going to, and is there a wine that you want me to bring over, you know, sort of thing. Um, it's usually pretty obvious, like, like guys will know when a woman, uh, chooses them, right? Like it's pretty clear. Yeah. Okay. And then I usually end up dating like these kind of type A women. Um, what's that? Type A women. What is that? When I say type A, they're like very into. Oh, type A. Yeah. Sorry. Type A as opposed yeah. to type B. So very independent, yeah. usually very ambitious in whatever they're doing, their their job or whatever their activity is. Um, usually very responsible, like almost hyper-responsible. Yeah. These are actually things I appreciate because I'm that way too. I'm very independent. Like I go and do my own thing. I don't need a lot of emotional support or hand-holding through life. I like to just kind of go do my own thing. And so it seems like it's worked out where I've dated a woman that does something similar. And then when we come back together at night, like it's all good. Mm-hmm. But when you just now described what it's like when they pick you, like, I don't know that I've seen those signs in them as much because they're usually about their, their business or whatever their thing is. Um, is there another way to approach that? Like how, it, you obviously can't ask a woman like, Hey, did you pick me? Uh, if it's not as obvious as a frying pan to the forehead, I guess, is there, are there more subtle indications for women that might not be doing well, it or other things? 
No, genuine burning desire looks like that. But I mean, if you're also dating boss girls, which is basically what you're describing, mm. they're generally not the type that are that feminine. They're more masculine, you know, because they've been mm -hmm. told to chase degrees, climb the corporate ladder, frame those degrees in mahogany. You know, they have to have little letters after the name, you know, signifying the importance. So um, that's the... They have essentially been told to behave and become like men. And let me ask you a question. Do you find, do you find these women exhausting sometimes? You know, these boss girls? Well, I find all women exhausting sometimes. Um, what would be my, if anything, my, and I have dated the opposite, right? The women that are, that are very dependent, irresponsible, you know, want to be with you all the time. And like that really doesn't work for me because yeah. I'm very independent, like a lot of solitude, et cetera. Yeah. So I've dated the opposite and that's worse. But the complaint I would have about the type A is that they might be just a little too, um, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, we've got some time together. Let's spend, and they're like, no, I got to go do the thing and run errands or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, that kind of comes with the territory. But when you say yeah. exhausting, do you mean like her personality is wearing me out or what is, what do you mean? Um, well, you know, behaving in a masculine sort of way, right? Uh, you know, I'll give an example, like the uh, realtor is a good example of the type A boss uh, girl sort of uh, date. I was out on a date once and we met for sushi. And you know how realtors are. I mean, if their client calls, they usually jump. And when the client yeah. says uh, something, you know, she's responding with, well, how high should I jump? Um, so I'm on a date with her. She's very attractive. We're having a great conversation. Boss girl, you know, power suit, drives a nice BMW sort of SUV, uh, gets a phone call or a text. And she looks at me, she goes, I've got to go. I've got to show a house. I've got this client that is probably going to buy it. I thought to myself, well, that's interesting. So we're sitting here, we're eating, we're on a date you're going to bounce because you want to go and do this, whatever. And then, you know, she said to me, well, you should come along for the ride, you know, sort of thing. Like it only be a few minutes because you have to show the house, right? It's just, uh, you know, five or 10 minutes away. Um, that's the sort of thing that you tend to get with like these boss girls, right? Is like, they will, I mean, they will make their career, their job, the absolute priority. And it's not you that matters. And if you want a family, if you want a girlfriend, even, um, you want a woman that's a compliment to your life that you know, they would say to you, well, you know, Robert, what, what can I do to make myself useful today? You know, like I know that you're out there chasing excellence. You're doing your thing. You're building your audience, doing whatever. Um, how, how can I help? Mm -hmm. Um, and to me, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you, but to me, that's a lot more attractive than the girl that's got the degrees. Like my ex-wife's a lawyer, right? So mm -hmm. I've, de I've dated lots of boss girls, accountants, uh, entrepreneurs, all that stuff. And after a while, I think once you've dated enough of them and yeah, they're successful and they got a cool house too. And they drive a nice car as well. And you know, they've got money to, you know, take care of things. They don't usually beg you for anything or any of that stuff. Um, but the whole, you know, rah, rah, rah sort of stuff gets a little bit tiring. Um, it's only okay. I find when they can submit when they're in your frame, like when you're with them. Right. So in the bedroom, you know, for example, they completely, you know, submit to you. Like they're not a boss bitch in that type of mm -hmm. situation. When, you know, when you're making plans for something like, uh, hey, you know, let's go out and get something to eat. It's not you sitting there going, well, where do you want to go? I don't know. Well, where do you want to go? And you're kind of sitting there, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, no, put on the black dress that I like. I'm taking you over to the sushi place and we're going in five minutes. Yeah. Right, sort of thing. Like it's okay when she complies, you know, to my frame. But I find that a lot of them, they have some difficulty with that. It's, a, you know, they have a mindset of, 
oh, well, I got this, or I can take care of things, or I don't need you sort of thing. And I think at the end of the day, one of the problems with, you know, that I find with a lot of these boss girls is they've got really high notch counts, right? They don't, they don't preserve their value. And because they tend to adopt masculine traits and chase excellence and climb the corporate ladder and all this stuff, they tend to act a lot like men. So they're very promiscuous. And a woman that's had laid with a lot of men in her past isn't, doesn't make a great girlfriend. You know, because usually what ends up happening is if something doesn't go her way or, or, or it's not working out, she's not very sticky in the relationship. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, if she's already been with 51 guys and you're number 52, she doesn't care. She'll, she'll just move on to number 53. She's yeah. already done it 51 times. Right. So right. she's not, she's not that committed to the relationship or you. Um, so type A's like, I found a place in my twenties and my thirties where I was sold this narrative, like, you know, men and women are equal and we'll be the twin towers together. We'll, mm -hmm. you know challenge life, you know, together, yeah. go forth and be a, a, a force of awesomeness, you know, sort of uh -huh. thing. But I think you find after a while, if you've dated, you know, somebody like that, or even been married to them, it's pretty exhausting. And they yeah. usually end up at some point trying to run your life. Yeah. And I've, I've seen the relationship usually ends up if there is a power boss girl, I guess, as you would say that she ends up with a, not a boss guy. Like the guy kind of fills a a beta. Usually she has to settle for that guy because there's a lot of this going on with, yeah. um, you know, the boss girls. And interestingly, there's a really good book, uh, called the birth order book. I think Dr. Kevin Lehman is the author's name uh -huh. and he breaks down the personality types and archetypes of firstborn, second, thirdborn yeah. know, sort of thing. And like the vast majority of these boss girls out there, they're almost always a firstborn, right? right. Cause they had to lead the, you know, the siblings in the family. They were always yeah. on, te you know, testing the parents. The parents were testing their skills on, mm -hmm. on them. Um, so it's not that, you know, it's not like they're bad people or anything like that. It's just mm -hmm. generally speaking, unless she can submit to your frame. And if you're a leader, yeah. um, then you're probably going to have some difficulty dealing with her on a long-term basis. It gets, it's just not fun. You know, if I can put it yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I heard recently that one of the greatest gifts, uh, masculine energy or a man can give a woman or feminine energy is the ability to just turn off her brain. So like the man can step in, be the leader, you know, yeah. like you said, put on a black dress or go to the sushi place. And like women actually long for that. Yeah. Um, and so that, that was interesting because as a man, we process information differently. You're like, Oh, well, like, should we look at the options together and think about this? Yeah. Yeah. It's it. You know, it's interesting because when you enter a strong masculine frame, you know, yourself, you start to behave a lot differently. Like I even noticed myself a few years ago, um, like if I'd be walking down the street with my girlfriend, you know, you're holding hands, you're sort of doing your thing. I sometimes found myself with her on the outside mm -hmm. of the sidewalk and me mm -hmm. on the inside. And I inherently know that, you know, if, if I'm going to lead in this relationship mm -hmm. and she's going to follow and happily, you know, want to, want to do that, I need to protect her. Like mm -hmm. I need to be able to do that. So I have to stand on the outside. So, so I'll just move her over and I'll switch sides. Mm -hmm. And she knows exactly what I'm doing and she likes that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you know, um, there's always a lot of pushback when you have these conversations, you know, these traditional sort of like, uh, relationship sort of mechanisms that make them work better. But the truth of the matter is they work better. You yeah. know, I'm in a great relationship. Look, I mean, I'm a little bit older. I'm a seasoned gentleman. You know, I've, I've been married, divorced. I've had lots of long-term relationships, dated, all that good stuff. Um, I wish I could have figured this out in my 20s. Like, life would have yeah. been a lot better. I wouldn't have made some stupid mistakes for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do want to ask you this one last point, though. Um, I, I believe this is a chapter in your book as well. If not, it's a topic discussed. Why smart men avoid marriage? 
Uh, I'm sure this is a very contentious topic that probably gets you a lot of flack yeah. in the world. Um, what's going on there? Why, why, in your opinion, do smart men tend to avoid marriage? Well, marriage, there's a really good book by Stephanie Kuntz. It's called A History of Marriage. And the entire point of marriage throughout the vast majority of history since its inception was not about love or any of those things. It was about the acquisition of in-laws, right? Mm -hmm. So you go back uh, you know, a few hundred years, even a thousand years, the reason why people would blend families and get married is because, well, my brother and my sister are uh, a doctor and an educator. My uh, dad is a pharmacist. My mom raises chickens or whatever. This side, they've got complementary values and you have access to the larger family now, right? Because mm -hmm. there was no real government that would, you know, assist. There was no social system or anything like that. It was, it was really families that sort of grew and built on themselves that mm -hmm. would take care of stuff. Um, today, the notion of what that is, you know, the acquisition of in-laws, like the original intent is bastardized. Um, men used to have authority in their household along with responsibility. Uh, because as a man, you're responsible to take care of your family, protect them. Bad guy breaks in the house. No guy ever, you know, elbows his wife and goes, well, you get this one. Cause I got the last freak show. Mm -hmm. Um, men are expected to do all these things and for you to have the responsibility to protect and, and defend and look after your family, you need to have some degree of authority to make decisions, right? Um, you know, to exercise on that. But today men's authority has been stripped away. You still have responsibility, but your authority is gone. I did a poll on Twitter uh, the, the other week and I said, guys, take a look around at the marriages, you know, the married people that you know around you and tell me if they're female-led marriages, male-led marriages, or equal partnerships. And I think it was something like 74% said that marriages are female-led today. Mm -hmm. Okay, So this is people just looking at married people that they know and who leads that marriage. Um, and then it was uh, equal partnerships and then it was male-led, right? So male-led was quite low in the totem pole. Um, so marriage as it was intended, I don't believe exists today. Also, when you get married today, you also invite the state into your life to make decisions about many things that you don't have any control of, and you still have the responsibility to, um, you know, agree to a woman can use family law, uh, nefariously. She can make a false domestic violence charge, have the locks changed on the house, remove you from your, uh, children and make it nearly impossible for you to get a shared custody arrangement just by lying. And there's no consequences for that. Um, it, it, you know, it happens all the time. There's a lot of detail on that topic in the book. I think it's one of the longer chapters in the book. It would, it would take a while to get through all of them. Um, but I mean, the point being is you can be in a relationship with a woman. You can have a family with a woman. All I'm saying is if you're going to do it, do it in an intelligent way where it doesn't expose you your wealth, your future wealth, your access to your right. own uh, children that you sire, you know, your own DNA, your own name. It doesn't yeah. expose you to problems that could potentially make your life very difficult. Like people don't understand this, but men commit suicide at rates, I think it's something like eight to 10 times higher than women post-divorce. And it's not because things are going well for men. Like when men take permanent steps to a temporary problem in, in their life, it's because things are bad, really bad, mm -hmm. right? Um, women make more attempts than men, mostly for attention to sort of like signal that they have a problem, but men will actually be successful with the attempt when they do it. Um, so it's not the best environment to be in. The other thing too, is that one of the other data points that I covered in the book as well is that there's been studies done on this and, um, they asked couples that have been together. I think the average time was something like 8.3 years. 
And they asked them um, if they were still in a state of love or in a state of bliss. And if you, like, I'll ask you this question. So since you haven't read that chapter in the book, what, what percentage of people that have been together for over eight years do you think are in a state of love? State of love? Um, like they genuinely love each other. 50%. It's only 13%. And the percentage of couples that are still in a state of bliss is like 3%. So, I mean, raising a family is what men, like, like we're here to scatter seed, you know, for being honest, we're not here to, you know, build roads, skyscrapers, mine Bitcoin or those things. Like the whole point of us being here on this planet is to scatter seed and pass on our name and our DNA. Mm -hmm. So if that's something that's important to you, I would pick a state that's friendly to fathers. I would have a prenup drafted up if uh, you're on different levels, which you probably will be because women are hypergamous and they date across and up Mm -hmm. and they want better, better men. Uh, I'd have a post-nup to secure it. I'd also take a number of measures in place to make sure that, um, you know, your risk level goes down and vet the woman for red flags, because ultimately, um, a lot of the guys that go through divorce, a lot of these red flags that I've talked about, um, are present in women that they married, uh, and they're getting, you know, divorced from. And it's tough for guys because women win, I think it's 83% of custody. They initiate divorce something like eight out of 10 times still. Uh, they do it for silly reasons, like they're bored or their girlfriends, you know, encourage them to do it. And they try to tell them the story about how there's better guys out there and the grass is greener on the other side. And even, you know, women that are just reasonably happy, um, you know, will do it. And it, and it can be difficult for guys. Like there's a lot of men out there today that don't have access to their kids. They're either alienated. Sometimes they see their wealth, uh, you know, stolen from them and transferred over to her while she keeps them away from the kids. So there's a lot of risks that men should contemplate before they decide to get married. Um, there's, there's different ways to do it. Yeah. And even more than just get married, just even sexually engage with a woman, right? Because if you have a kid or even you get, and you get into some of these situations, not maybe as bad as getting married, but, um, it's definitely a risk, right? Everyone we associate with. Yeah, there's different strategies for different places in your life. Like a twenty, like a guy in his twenties, I would have a different conversation with than a guy that's already been married, divorced, and has kids in his forties or fifties. You know, to a guy like you that's in his late thirties that might want to have more kids, it's a totally different conversation too, mm-hmm. right? So there's different ways to attack it. It's just you need some awareness around what you're what you're marching into because for the most part, you know, it's a slaughterhouse and guys blindly march into it not knowing what it's all about and only kind of figure it out as they're in there and it's dark and they're blindfolded of getting cut up a little bit. Mm. Yeah, man, lots of great advice, uh, Rich. I, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, where can people find you on the internet to learn more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can check me out on my, my main web- website is richcooper.ca. Um, you'll see links to my book, my podcast, uh, my coaching services, all that stuff there. Um, by the way, the chapter on red flags, I mentioned this earlier, you can get this for free. If you go to entrepreneursincars.com forward slash red dash flags, you can download it for free just by opting into my email list or just get the book off Amazon. It's uh, you know, it's a great read. It's uh, well reviewed. And uh, if you enjoy it, leave a kind review. I always appreciate those. Awesome. Richman, thank you so much. I appreciate you doing this again. Thanks, Robert.